You're listening to the Stage and Story Podcast, a show about story, culture, and the Christian imagination. I'm your host, Dane Bundy, president of Stage and Story. For as long as I can remember, I've been drawn to writing, whether it's in a journal or for the stage. I see it as part of my calling to make much of Christ and bless others through the written word. So like Paul tells Timothy, I quote, fan into flame the gift of God, end quote, by continuing to write. But in my adult life, another flame has appeared, and this flame I'm eager to snuff out. It is the fear to write. Doubt and insecurity are some of the main obstacles that stand in the way of us creating something new. And I believe that I'm not alone in this. In this battle to create something, it's so much easier to simply put it off and not do it. Especially when those questions start flooding in in the back of your mind. What if no one likes it? What if I don't have time? What if it's low quality or contains falsehood? What if I'm too transparent? What if I'm not transparent enough? I'm reading through Exodus right now, and yesterday I paused at the call of Moses. When considering a patriarch like Moses, we often directly go to those supernatural signs and wonders that God performed through him. But in my current reading, I noticed how scripture captures his frailty or his humanity. And I'm so glad God did, because this is a helpful picture of this great man. Between the time that God calls Moses in the burning bush to the first plague of blood, Moses offers God five reasons why he couldn't do the task that God was calling him to. I'll read these five reasons. In chapter 3, verse 11, Moses says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? 4. 1. But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. 4.10. Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. 6.12. Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me, for I am of uncircumcised lips? 6.30. Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? Now, I understand why Moses pushes back. God's call was terrifying, and fear and doubt had caused Moses to rethink his identity and his gifting. Moses then pleads, like I would have, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. In Walking on Water, Madeline Langle actually agrees with Moses here. He wasn't qualified, she says. But then she adds, I quote, As I run over my favorite characters in both Old and New Testaments, I can't find one who is in any worldly way qualified to do the job which was nevertheless accomplished. Thus, Moses was not an outlier. God frequently uses the unqualified to do his work. And you know the story. Moses eventually trusts God, and his presence empowers him to complete the task a little thing called the Exodus. Now, church history attests to this pattern as well. 
Consider one of my favorites, Charles Spurgeon, who became the pastor of the Metropolitan Tabernacle at the age of only 21. Although he had demonstrated really an unusual gift in the preaching and teaching of God's word, Spurgeon shuddered at what the next season might hold for him. This is what he says, I quote, When I first became a pastor in London, my success appalled me, and the thought of the career which it seemed to open up so far from elating me, cast me into the lowest depths. Who was I that I should continue to lead so great a multitude? I would betake myself to my village of obscurity or emigrate to America and find a solitary nest in the backwoods where I might be sufficient for the things which would be demanded of me. It was just then that the curtain was rising upon my life work, and I dreaded what it might reveal. End quote. Now, despite Spurgeon's eventual status of what we know him as of today, a legendary preacher and evangelist, writer and editor, college president and orphanage founder, he trembled with frailty, fear, and doubt, not just in the beginning of his ministry, but all throughout it. We might look back and think, well, he was the obvious one to do the job. But Spurgeon would have had something to say about that. Friends, do you resonate with Spurgeon and with Moses? I do. Many times I've pleaded, Oh Lord, I am not sufficient. Please send someone else. But why does God choose the unqualified to do his work? Langle again phrases it well, quote, If we are qualified, we tend to think that we have done the jobs ourselves. End quote. As Paul writes to the Corinthian church, God chooses to use what the world considers foolish or weak. I quote, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. End quote. Next time you hear those voices, you're unqualified, unfit, not ready, not sufficient. Agree with them and add, but God. God doesn't need us to be these things. In the back of my mind, I hear, Who created the pen, the brush, the stage, or the heart, the mind, the mouth? We know the answer. God is the author of them all, and he wants to use us to bring beauty, truth, goodness into the world. But you're probably cluing in. This doesn't mean there won't be a battle. Andrew Peterson, in one of my favorite books, Adorning the Dark, refers to this battle that's pushing against us as the resistance. Something we shouldn't be surprised to see when it shows up. Quote, if you're called to speak light, writes Peterson, then believe this. The darkness wants to shut you up. Even now, I can feel the strength of resistance. End quote. Although I would love for God to destroy this resistance so I can finally write and create in peace, that's really only something for the new heavens and the new earth. Until then, it's battle on, my friends. But it's important to remember We are not the only ones facing these obstacles to create beauty. We have each other, and most significantly, the presence of God. As I bring this to a close, I want to leave us with a few ways to fan the flame God has given us to help us creating when the creating is difficult. Number one, embrace humility. Dependence upon God is the heart of humility. It's an honest recognition of who we are before God. We are fallen, sinful people who desperately need him. Jesus tells us, I quote, 
blessed are the poor in spirit, end quote. So let's just agree with Jesus and draw near to him. Let's surrender our creative work to him. When God is the author of creativity, is there anyone else better to offer our creative work to? Lord, use our work how you would like to use it. Number two, we have to remember our value. It's true, we may not be qualified or powerful or even the most talented, but does that really matter? We are created in the image of God and we are loved by God. If we are in Christ, we are redeemed by God. Our significance is not tied to the work that we produce. It is tied to the once and forever victory of Christ. And if we're in Christ, friends, we have spiritual gifts. The purpose of these gifts is not to make much of ourselves or make us successful according to the standards of the world, but it is to serve and bless and bring joy to others. And when we utilize our gifts in this way, I do believe God is glorified. Number three, focus on others. Continuing the point above, Andrew Peterson is clear that thinking too much about ourselves is an obstacle to creativity. I mean, think about it. It actually feeds the monsters of fear and doubt. Peterson challenges us to think of those we are trying to serve. If creativity is a means of service to others, who is this neighbor that we're creating for? An arousing conclusion to chapter three of Adorning the Dark, Peterson shares the following. I quote, I am no longer surprised by my capacity for self-doubt, but I've learned that the only way to victory is to lose myself, to surrender to sacredness, which is safer than insecurity. I have to accept the fact that I'm beloved by God. That's it. Compared to that, the songs don't matter so much. A realization which has the surprising consequence of making them easier to write. Dear friends, if you resonate with Moses, with Spurgeon, and the many other jars of clay that God has called to his kingdom work, consider these words an invitation to remember that you are not alone. You are in good company. You are part of the fellowship. So pick up that pen, that brush, that mic. We want your creativity. And may God use it for the glory of his son and the good of our neighbors. Well, this closes our time for the Stage and Story podcast. I'm Dane Bundy, your host. Thank you so much for listening today. Now make sure to check out our website at stageandstory.org for more resources on cultivating the Christian imagination. Now may Christ be the center of all of our thinking and imagining. See you next time.